The title of the sermon and the question we have been given today to begin our new sermon series, I Wonder, is a pretty big one. I wonder, does God still exist? Thanks, Stan. <laughs> you know, in the United Methodist Church, we believe that we come to develop our theology, our understanding of who God is and how God works in the world, and our faith that we live by through the Wesleyan quadrilateral, through first scripture, then through tradition, reason, and experience. So if we look at Genesis, these very first words, the words that I can safely bet that all of us have heard, we all know, we've read them, we've been taught, we preach them, we've maybe memorized them. There's no question of God's existence in these words. The first words we read and learn is in the beginning God created. God exists. It's the very thing that scripture teaches. So as we step into our tradition, the affirmation of faith, a creed that all Christians share that could possibly um, have a root from as early as the first century. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. The tradition of the church teaches God exists. As we read and study, we have learned about so many experiences that people have had. Experiences of God that pass down. God existing. And as we look at things with our mind, with reason, the origin and order of the universe, our objective moral values, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, Proof that God exists. So many of us are sitting here thinking, yeah, okay. You know, I joked with Stan, I called him to talk to him a little bit about um, this week's topic and about the scripture and about where our sermon series was going. And I joked and said, you know, Stan, I'm just going to get up, say, does God exist? Yep, and have a seat. I still think maybe I should, but... But our question today isn't, does God exist? Our question today is, I wonder, does God still exist? Does God still exist in 2019? Did God create and then disappear? Did God set the world into motion and step back and just watches? Did God come to this world as a human, as a baby, live, die, was raised from the dead, and then walk away. Sure, God existed then, but does God exist now? Is God continuing to work and exist in this world that we live in? You know, friends, I think if we're honest, I think if we're completely honest, we all get overwhelmed with this life, with this hurt, with this pain, with this struggle with the sometimes senselessness that our world is in. I'm with you. I also see the pain, the sin, the struggle, the hurt, the hate. And honestly, the miracles are few and far between. We beg for miracles and nothing happens. We listen for the voice of God and hear nothing. 
I wonder, does God still exist? In June, I moved into the role of family pastor. So my husband Scott and I are both family pastors and our responsibility is zero to 30 years old. My direct responsibility is kids ministry, young adult ministry, and I also direct a ministry in East, in West Dallas, 723. Our kids ministry is led by an incredible children's director, Jennifer Sutcliffe. She's been part of moving our kids ministry into a place of loving all kids as we experience God together through play, through story, through wonder, through prayer and blessing. Play, story, wonder, prayer and blessing. These are the principles that we help use to focus our children's ministry. Recognizing that children naturally experience God. My first Sunday as a family pastor, I went upstairs and spent the Sunday with our elementary team. That week they were studying the story, Pentecost, Jesus keeps his promise to send the Spirit. The storyteller did a beautiful job. And then she asked several questions to the group. Questions that are asked every week with the story. I wonder what part of the story you liked the best. I wonder what part of the story you thought was most important. I wonder what part was about you. What part were you in? I wonder if we could leave anything out and still have all that we need. I wonder what you are wondering. The children excitingly begin to raise their hands and share their thoughts and ideas, and it was amazing to witness. One little boy piped up, a little third grader. He said, I think I'm Jesus in the story. <laughs> wow, all right, yeah, yeah. One second grader raised his hand and said, do you think Jesus had to die? <laughs> Thankfully, seminary had prepared me for this moment, and I had several versions of the atonement theory that I could share. But the storyteller just looked at him and said, I wonder what you think about that. Then the sharing began with the group. The adults were quiet, and the children were sharing. You know, last year I was studying and I was reading about a Jewish practice called Midrash. If you haven't heard of it, Midrash is an interpretive act seeking to the answers to religious questions, both practical and theological. They do that by digging into the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Midrash responds to contemporary problems and crafts new stories making connections between new Jewish realities and the unchanging biblical text. Midrash is a way that Jews wrestle with and apply scripture to everyday life. Midrash is a way that Jews wonder about scripture in their community. Midrash happens in commentary on Torah, in commentary on the Hebrew Bible, in a rabbi's sermon in the synagogue, in art, Midrash gets pretty loud around a table over Passover. It's really endless how Midrash is practiced. Christians 
practice Midrash, although it's not really Midrash, since Midrash is uniquely Jewish. But we've adopted a form of it. A creative example of Midrash, if you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, in the story, the writers of the story have Miriam telling Moses about his true identity. Scripture doesn't teach that. That's not what we read when we read the story, but could it have happened? Maybe. Another example of Midrash is, is the song, Let My People Go. These are words from scripture that were turned into a spiritual hymn that was directed at southern slave owners. Some of you may be thinking, but Sarah, we are told not to add to or take away from scripture, and that's not entirely correct. Deuteronomy 4 and 12 teach us, command us to not add to or take away from the law. Midrash is different. It allows us to use our imagination. It allows us to use the Holy Spirit to maybe fill in some of those gaps. You know, Scripture doesn't tell us that there were three wise men. We came up with that. Rabbi Jershon Schwartz writes, By confronting sacred text and engaging in a struggle with it, we affirm its sanctity and relevance in our lives. We engage in Midrash with a sense of awe, with an appreciation that we stand in the presence of something sacred, something holy, something of ultimate importance. So if we return to that Genesis scripture that we just read, and we do a little bit of Christian Midrash all together today, holding the question, does God still exist today? What happens? So actually, if you look at those first few words of Genesis from the Hebrew translation, the very first word and the first phrase can actually be translated in two different ways. It could be, in a beginning, God created the sky and the earth. Or, when God began to create the sky and the earth. My Old Testament professor, Dr. Heller, told us, if you translate it one of these two ways, you miss something. These two phrases are very different, and it changes a lot. So, if you wonder if the words are in a beginning, does that mean there was just one beginning, or was there another beginning? Is today another beginning? I mean, it's a new day. God created the first day, and then that was like two million Days ago, or depending on how you count, it could be 1,658.195 billionth day ago. Or, I wonder if those first words were when God began to create the sky and the earth. Was that just part of the masterpiece that God was creating? Does God continue to add to that? I mean, it doesn't look like God stopped. We have more than sky and earth. So did God continue? And if I start to visualize it, what does it look like? What does that conversation look like if there's 10 or 12 of us in the room? I wonder. You know, I love how children wonder. 
I love how they feel that they can engage Scripture. And I wonder if you feel that you can do that. I don't know enough. I haven't learned enough. I haven't been to seminary. I, I, I can't. You know, I wonder how many of us were able to wonder and question in Sunday school. I asked a number of people that this week, a number of adults. I asked a number of staff. Here's a list of responses. No. I was told what to think. I was told what the stories meant. I just believed what I was told and I didn't ask anymore. I didn't feel like I could question things. It wasn't the culture to question. There wasn't a safe space to question. You know, I began to question my beliefs in college and was rejected by my church. So I eventually left the church. That last quote is actually from one of my young adults who participates with our young adults. And he's actually on our young adult leadership team. He's also a small group leader here at Lover's Lane with one of our boys' small groups. He came to Lover's Lane, a space where we wrestle and question and have differing opinions. Lover's Lane gave him a new church where he could question, and he asks the best questions. But I also have young adults who can't and refuse to come to church. They don't come to small group because they felt that they could never ask questions. I just can't get them in the door. You know, I've been working with our young adults for several years, and we, not me, we as the young adults have intentionally worked to create a brave space when we meet on Thursday nights. It's not a safe space. We all come with hurt. We all come with baggage. But it's a place where we can be brave and ask questions and say what we feel about things and not be in judgment. And it's very rare that that group of 18 to 30-year-olds ever agree on anything. They're so different theologically. And it's a really beautiful thing to experience. Often during discussion over scripture, you'll hear, I don't agree with you, but I've never looked at it that way. Just a few weeks ago, someone came in after a really tough week in the world and said, y'all, with everything that's gone on this week, I just can't. I just can't, but I'm here. You know, it's a space where our young adults can wrestle with questions. And they do. And often, if not always, a lot of those questions go unanswered. But they can ask, and they can struggle, and they can seek and they know that the God that spoke the universe into creation loves them. And if they don't believe that in the moment, there's a group of people that do. They love them. So I wonder if you need permission to wonder. I wonder, do you need a brave space to wrestle with the question, I wonder, does God still exist? Friends, we all need a brave space to wonder, does God still exist?
for me as I wonder and as I wrestle with that question, does God, the God of Abraham, the God of Moses, the God of Elijah still exist today? Does, does God, the God of Mary, the mother of Jesus, does the God of the Samaritan woman, the God of Paul still exist today? Still continue to work in this world? The first Tuesday of every month, we have Staff Chapel and Ship Chapel. And that's led by Reverend Richard Selby. And this week he opened with these words, Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or you ever formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. These words that were placed on the heart of Reverend Selby spoke directly to me. The presence of our Lord right there in that moment. Lord, our dwelling place in all generations, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Those words spoken to me as I was praying and preparing for a sermon, and how would I ever communicate the truth of a God that still exists? These ancient words of scripture encourage us to encounter a present God. Yeah, Sarah, but what about our world? I mean, think about the hurricane that just desolated the Bahamas. They'll never come back from that. I mean, does God still exist in a world like that? Does God still exist in a world where pastors are leaving the church or priests are being forced out of the church or the church is creating such harm? Does, does God exists in a world where evil is running rampant, where mass shootings are every day, it seems like, where children are afraid to go to school. I have a four-year-old who has to practice lockdown as a preschooler. Does God exist in that world? A few months ago, I got an email from Michael Irwin. Michael Irwin is Justin Irwin's father. Justin's a senior at Stoneman Douglas High School from Parkland, Florida. Some of you might remember Justin. He came to Dallas to share with us his experience in our, in our event that we had, Parkland Moves Us. It was an opportunity for Lover's Lane to sit down and wrestle, to question to wonder. Here's the email I received from Mike. Pastor Sarah, greetings from South Florida. I hope your family and you are doing well. How's Grayton, the energetic and playful young lady doing? Does she still have Scott wrapped around her finger? Yes, she does. As we are quickly approaching the anniversary of the tragedy at Stoneman Douglas, I find myself and those around me doing a lot of reflecting. What could have been for those 17 lives? What about their friends, loved ones, and classmates? Have we done enough to change the world? No. A lot of progress has been made, especially with awareness, but we still have a long way to go. I want to thank you for everything you did for Justin and I as we were struggling to recover from the horrible tragedy. I was lost and without direction and didn't know how to help my son. I endured many nights wondering why and what is next. I will never forget that day that Justin called me at work and said, 
Dad, we're heading to Dallas. This came as a surprise since Justin had been fairly unwilling to open up since February 14th and since he had never spoken publicly. The absolute conviction in Justin's voice made it clear that God had opened a door. It was your conversation with Justin regarding the Parkland Moves Us opportunity that helped him see a path that God had laid. From the minute your husband picked us up at the airport, through the worship services, youth fellowship, meals, marches, and the Parkland Moves Us event, we had an incredible experience. It was a great life lesson reminding us that while evil exists, it does not prevail. The world is full of amazing people that truly care. I often look at the picture of your interview with Justin that was published in the Dallas Morning News. A picture is worth a million words in this case. Your love for the children in your ministry is inspiring. To you and your family, Pastor Scott, Pastor Stan, and the entire Lover's Lane congregation, thank you from the bottom of my heart. We headed to Dallas to share Justin's story and change some perspectives. We came home knowing that God used us to make a difference in your lives and ours. In reflecting on the year, I know that Dallas moved us. A tragedy such as MSD, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, would force just about anyone to question their faith. Many may choose to abandon their beliefs. Fortunately, when Justin questioned the world around him, he realized that his belief in God was part of the core foundation of the man in the mirror. Thank you for your huge role in helping Justin see a focused image when he finally looked in that mirror. With my sincerest appreciation, Mike Irwin. Yes. Yes, God still exists today. God exists we just must be open to experience God's presence. At the end of July, I led a young adult mission team to Puerto Rico. The first devotional, I reminded the team that we must lift our heads and open our eyes so that we may see the world in a different way. So that we can see the workings of God all around us. I led that devotional. That reminder was probably more for me. Than anyone. Last week, Stan shared about the loss of his niece, Megan. Megan, a bright, beautiful life taken by cancer. Another life so inexplicably lost. Megan's family and friends, you, our staff, prayed and prayed and prayed for a miracle, for God to do something. But the cancer took her. And for a moment, the question, does God still exist? Several of the staff went and joined thousands on that Saturday at Megan's memorial service. A day that we mourned the loss of Megan's life. A Saturday that was also Megan's son's, Davis's fourth birthday. A day filled with incomprehensible sadness and a little spark of joy and excitement as a little boy turns four. 
My eyes were open that day to God's grace. My eyes were open to a reminder of life, of hope, of birthdays. My eyes were open to a present God embracing a family in their darkest hour and celebrating the life lost after 33 years and celebrating a life lived for four. On days like that, that we question, does God still exist? Yes, 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 God does still exist today. But you need to wonder and wrestle with that on your own. Do you know that God exists today? You need to find a brave space to wonder. We can help you with that. You need to seek scripture, ancient words that live and breathe and guide us to another encounter with God. We can help you with that. You need to be open to experiencing God. We can help you with that. So I wonder, I wonder what part of the story you liked the best. I wonder what part of the story was most important for you. I wonder what part was about you or you were in. I wonder if we leave any part of the story out, do we still have all that we need? I wonder what you are wondering. Amen.